0: So um, next up, we have Tim Fendley, who is partner of Applied, and their uh, wayfinding consultancy. Uh, an information designer, speaker, and writer, Tim is at the forefront of urban wayfinding. Uh, he's developing new approaches to understanding and explaining places. So Tim and his team have designed navigational systems for cities all across the globe, uh, from Leeds and Glasgow to Vancouver, and most recently Toronto. In our brief little chat earlier, Tim told me that his New Year's resolution is to drive slower.
1: Result of nine points, I think so. Oh.
0: But tonight, though, Tim is going to talk uh, about Legible London. So he's going to delve a little deeper into the challenges and decisions behind this award-winning concept. So no doubt many of you have seen it. it there's one dotted right outside our office. There, the yellow-topped columns that have kind of contextual maps that help you navigate around London. Um, It's a city-wide scheme that helps new visitors and people who've lived here for quite a while to help navigate. So we're really pleased to welcome Tim. Thank you.
1: Hi, thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me, Adam. Um, Who knows what Legible London is? Not many. Okay, right. Uh, Well, I haven't got that many pictures of it, but because talking to Adam... A few months ago now when you first invited me, he just wanted me to give a bit more of a, a warts and all and kind of like some of the things, the ideas behind it rather than what it is. Um, so I'm going to run quickly through quite a lot of slides um, uh, and give you hopefully give you a little bit of a picture of how it happened and why. Um, so you all know this place, uh, 9 million people, some say it's 13 million, biggest city in Europe. 55% um, of journeys in London are by walking. Um, uh, twice as many people travel by bus than they do by tube. Um, it's got a massive transport infrastructure, one of the best transport systems. It's got, which I've worked in lots of other cities. Big thing about London is it's got transport for London, which means it's an integrated transport authority. I've worked in some cities that don't, and they are—it's hard work. Um, but you know what? Uh, the amount of money being spent on walking uh, in London was almost this much. Uh, there isn't really a walking lobby. There's a big cycling lobby that's now getting 80, 100 million to put cycle highways in and all sorts. Um, but the walking lobby, that's all of us. And we don't, we don't really have the Ramblers Association. Um, and uh, and yet, yeah, all the work that we did pointed out that there's a lot of people really don't know where they're going. Um, so, a starting, I'm not going to talk really about how the project happened. Please ask me later. I'll bore you. Um, but it, our question was kind of like, how often is this thing happening? We've got 35 million visitors to London. Um, uh, we've got all of us think we know London, and there's all sorts of areas that you don't know very well, um, I would hazard a guess. Uh, things, what's happening here? How is that How is that chap on the uh, on the right telling the other guy where to go? That w- We've always been interested in that little conversation. How is that explained? Because obviously a city's going to be better if that actually results. You know... What it'll end up as, it'll start with, well, you know, you want to go down there. And then the guy on the right will be thinking, well, what does this guy know? He doesn't look like he's from round here. Um, by the traffic lights, what are those? Uh, oh, my God, just go and ask somebody else. There's a policeman. Um, so you reduce as you, uh, you realise people can't understand the addressing language that you want to use. One of my favourite shots, this guy really doesn't look confident about which way he's going. Um, how many times is this happening? Uh, I mean we just went around and quite illegally photographed people doing things, photographing a woman who went round some railings to stop a cab um, on Piccadilly Circus, uh, in quite a dangerous way, uh, to, f- to actually ask the cab driver where something was not to get in the cab. Cab stopped thinking he had a ride, he didn't he was quite pissed off, he did tell her where it was um, so and one of the observations that we had um, was that, well with wayfinding, kind of like How do I describe this? Another thing that we did is we did a lot of talking to different people in London. We found there's a lot of, at the time, it was Ken. um, So I haven't said, going back, it's all started 10 years ago. Uh, It was Ken Livingstone. And there's a lot of work. Remember the 100 best places in London? 100 um, he was investing in Trafalgar Square and Westminster Square Trafalgar Square was one that got done by Fosters and they turned the top bit pedestrian and, and uh, Westminster Square was supposed to do the same um, there's a lot of effort into this urban design urban design over the last 20 years has really grown as a profession and has understood it's something cities have got to invest in and urban design is kind of con- um, concerned with the space between the buildings architects have been bothered about the bricks And and urban design really concentrates in in that space. And the area that we've been interested in is kind of like the space between people's ears. What are they thinking? What are they knowing? What are they perceiving? How are they understanding? Uh, And the other um, starting point from doing a lot of work in interaction design and and product design is we're kind of still people 1.0, aren't we? We haven't really changed that much. Every... All the new people that we've got are kind of very similar to us. We're very much built on our instincts. And we're very, very much, the way in which we work things out, the brain is evolving very slowly. Obviously, people like Ray Kurzweil will argue with you that we're now Androids. That our mobile phone, it makes us an Android. We are connected to it. Ever forgotten your phone recently? You feel like somebody's chopped your arm off. Uh, So we are becoming Androids. The ability to know everything in the world just by reaching into your pocket. Uh, So that is an addendum to this rule. Um, so our starting point was how I mean there's lots of things that you can take from that and our starting point was was well how do we get about, how do we allow people to experience the city better and we started looking at different people and this was really, we started by thinking what are all the different types of journeys we got to about 50 and realised loads more, that isn't going to go anywhere and really we came down to It was about really mindsets. So you've got striders and you've got strollers. You know, when you're a strider, you're getting here tonight. You've got to be here at six thirty or whatever. Then you're a a stroller. You're wandering around with your family. And then somebody needs a toilet. You become a strider. And these mindsets. And then you know areas or you don't. And we kind of like thought we need something that can help because these four mindsets kind of capture everybody. Um, and, And that's kind of like how a strider does getting around. A strider at the top kind of works out forms of transport they're going to take and junctions jumping onto it. Big problem we found in London from all our research, a big gap in the last mile. TFL gets you to the bus stop brilliantly, gets you to the tube station, uh, maybe to the car park. um, But as soon as you get out the bus, bus, off the bus, out the tube station, where the hell do you go? Especially, I found that acute in New York where I would come up and it would be a junction and I didn't know which way. Um, which, in all the research we did there, that is a, very, is a problem. Um, a stroller at the bottom, a bit more like a stone in the pond, uh, where you're kind of heading in a direction, but you're willing to go off-piste. And what you're very much doing when you're strolling is you're use it, we're sight creatures. What, we, what we're doing is we're looking for which is the least resistant or the most interesting or the safest route. That, ain't, that looks interesting down there. Let's wander down there. And so, therefore, the, it's the view... Uh, that has a really big effect on being able to wander to make a city um, legible. One of the reasons why Oxford Street is so strong as a shopping street is because it's one of London's straight streets. Actually, it's not quite straight, but there we go. Um, Another thing that we do when we're getting around um, is... uh, You all know these places, I bet. I mean, I do this abroad, nearly everybody Who's ever been to London can tell me that's Piccadilly Circus, so I'll come back to that. But we use landmarks, we use things in the sky, we use places that are really have got character, uh, we use uh, large features like the river. You know, you're not going to get that loss wandering up and down the river. Um, and this is again back to people 1.0. It's kind of like how we would have navigated past the hill, you know, round the corner, around the round the other hill to the Norley Wood, and, and things like this. It would be features in the landscape, and uh, that your brain will have worked out. And I'll, I'll come on to a little bit more of that. The, the thing is, so how do we start to provide information to this? And we realised that in all the research we did, is that we're getting information from all sorts of sources. So here's an example of a journey, and you are picking up language of how to get somewhere to your final result. And nobody, all these are from different people. Some of them are connected, but you know it's not going to be realistic to try and connect them. And our view, our hypothesis was that these kind of need to, the more that these can fit together, the better the city is going to be in explaining how to get around, how to get your information. Because one thing can't do, it f- do, do all of it. We also looked. Uh, we went around and just thought, in that last mile, in that gap, what are the, the, uh, what, what help is there? And we're focused on the pedestrian at this point, not the cyclist, but focused on the pedestrian. So this is this was a, a little quick audit from just the congestion charge zone, the original one. We found 32 different sign systems for pedestrians. Um, since we've done it, we have found eight more. Um, we think in London there's over 200. Uh, our hypothesis was: this is thirty-one too many. Um, you've got one road sign system, really. You know, people don't change it. Have you ever gone in the the uh, uh, motorway service stations where it's not British road standard? I I really annoyed. The signs are terrible because they're different. Anyway, um, but the thing is, some use maps, some guide, some point, some on the ground, some high. Uh, they're just all graphically; they're all different. Okay. But, you know, how do they, how do they work? Um, we looked at one feature, just the feature of distance. And uh, up in Covent Garden at the time, it's gone now, uh, you've got uh, measurement, measurement, using measurement is minutes. Uh, over here, you've got a quarter, and now in most of Europe, an M is a metre. So that's not very far away. Um, <laughs> you've got, obviously, 225 metres. That's obviously been put up by an engineer who measured it. Um, do you really care, 200, 300, do you care? You know, it's kind of down, damp- it's close. Uh, and then my favourite, 24 hours or 210 yards, <laughs> whichever's, whichever's quickest. Um, but the point, is, the point is, you're wandering around and like all these different languages and all the research that we had showed us that everybody walking around, all this money that was being spent was being used, was being seen 2.7% of the time. Yet, all the exit information... And it's very difficult to get a comparison. But the closest we got was all the exit signs on the tube stations was being used 73% of the time. So I think we said to people, we think there's a demand here. People do want information. It's just that this mess, which is not consistent, it's not predictable, it's different, it always looks different, I I can't recognise it. Everybody's there for it, you're not even seeing it. So you're wasting your money. Other issues, obviously... Addressing uh, road signs, you know in the UK there is a law that says there should be a road sign on every corner. Uh, nobody polices it, therefore they're not. And they're in odd places. Um, here's a, a wonderful example of the deep problem that every city every city faces. This is gone now, but because we pointed it out. So here I am, I don't really know the UK, I want to go to King's Cross because I'm going up to Leeds. King's Cross, it's that way, no it's that way. Hang on a minute—it's that way. Now, now all of these, all of these are correct within the guidelines. They're all legal. They're all correct. If you look at the guidelines, they're all fine. They're all the right colours. They're all doing the right—they're all pointing to the right places. The point is, is there are three Kings Crosses. <laughs> um, you know why there's Almeida Theatre at Kings Cross, there's an Almeida Theatre at Islington. Why, when you're in Kings Cross, do you need to point out that it's the Kings Cross one? Because you can't really walk to the to Islington one from here you know, you just need Almeida Theatre the point is that what's going on here is organisational ad hoc there isn't an organising body there isn't somebody saying this is actually a communication to that visitor, that traveller It's actually everyb- all these are different projects and they've all put signs up without really looking at what else is there and because there's no guidelines really about what goes up, there's a guideline about what typeface it should be, what colour it should be but not what it says and that's, that's a failure in, in, in our view so we pointed this out and then these people took him down um, I mean people can change the meaning of things um, this was in Milton Keynes <laughs> promise you we didn't do that one um, this one I mean it's simple things design isn't great here driving along it looks like you know you'd think Piccadilly is straight up and spelt wrong um, uh quaint London. We actually looked at all the road signs and we said how much is it to go and put all the road signs on the street corners. We kind of actually thought we don't really want to change this because at one point it was like why don't we just put loads of information on all the street corners you know like the American ones because there's a real strong legal requirement in the US to put a street name. That's why they're everywhere but they're really a bit cheap and nasty and the UK, London is just full of our history. Americans would call it quaint but um, this one, a favourite. Skating or cycling? No. Um, <laughs> you can see, somebody was... What, I'm, what I was trying to point out is, people are trying to do good things. So obviously we're thinking about, somebody's going along fast, let's progressively give them the message. <laughs> Another one, this is three metres high, and it's a pedestrian <laughs> sign. Um, but look how much money they've spent on it. That's metal, that's been crafted. think you all put projects like this together, how much has been cared about all of that detail that's three metres up there and I can't read it? Um, that was, we, we met the people who commissioned that and they didn't like us from there. Um, <laughs> TFL. One of my favourites in Korea. Um, And another one from Korea, sorry, it's painful, this is on the tube, it's painful to get caught between the closing doors. Even more so are the eyes of those looking at you. (laughs) Look, look, you get caught and I'm looking at you, it hurts. (laughs) I've got to say I don't understand the Koreans. Um, And in America, they do it slightly differently. I've uh, seen a wonderful video today I've just tweeted it about uh, somebody who's looking at one of these signs trying to work out what the hell is going on same problem as the King's Cross they're all probably correct but nobody's worked out how does it make sense how does it fit together sorry to be serious um, this was in the, uh, the the problem if you use a translation machine uh, that was at the Beijing Olympics uh, and this is the Irish way of doing it um, <laughs> Serious point here is that uh, you've always got to look at these things in context. So this is in a, in a, in a village which is a major junction in de- near Derry. And there's a road here, it's a T junction, and there's a main road here. How many people are in their car, drive up to this junction, and are staring at this, thinking which, go with, which way to go with people hooting behind them? And the important sign is that one. That's the A road. So, I mean, again, is, you wouldn't want to change this, would you? It's a beautiful picture, but it, it's not really... There's no hierarchy, there's no structure to it. There's, you look at our road sign system in the UK, which is falling apart, but the, 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 the guys who designed that, Jock Kinnear and Margaret Calvert built a really strong hierarchical structure where different place, different destinations had different hierarchies. And it was, it, was, it was groundbreaking. A lot of our work in Legible London was based on some original documents that we got from Jock Kinnear and Margaret Calvert of their work. Uh, and, it's, and I promise you, it's falling apart. And we've got to hassle the Department of Transport to sort it out. For so serious point, another thing that we all use in London, uh, and we actually did a study, Leicester Square, we found 45% of people who were using a map we're using this to walk around with and for getting around london it's brilliant right yeah everybody comes to london gets this map but to walk around with it it's, it's maps have got a f- you know maps are like anything they've got, a, a thing, they've, got ans- they've got things that they can answer and to walk with it is not a question. This map it's not a map it's a diagram, but it can't answer that. Um, so, but what we realised the other thing that we realised and we've pointed out to everybody is that again there's a demand. Everybody's got this and people are overusing it because there's something that they haven't got. There's a, there's a there's a gap, so they're misusing something that they trust. They trust from one use and they're applying it to a use that they want so I- that's really understandable but again, I mean, it was all hypothesis this was quite difficult to try and tell some of the powers that be in the city that we've got something missing here um, the other thing that I, I pointed out earlier this was in New York we did a study we had massive problems trying to do this project in New York where everybody said well, we've got numbered streets and avenues and everything, it's easy yeah, right um, we found 25% of uh, New Yorkers were lost um, every week um, we found forty eight percent of visitors. We found people who drew us mental maps of Times Square that looked like a star. The grid structure they didn 't see it um, so it's, it's, people don 't know places as much as you think. Another w- thing that we found is i mean very much with urban structure—is places tend to kind of like congregate on little five minute neighborhoods, five minute walks in central this is the five minute walk around tube stations in central london they 're really close. so we did a study. Because we had another hypothesis, which is it's going to be a lot easier walking between these than it is to go on the tube. So we actually not just used the journey planner to work out it's two minutes from one to another, but we walked down every tube station and walked up every tube station to find out how long it takes to get to the platform. We measured how long you normally have to wait and how long the journey takes, and then we calculated it. Um, in a study and we found that 55% of journeys in central London within a mile which is about a 12-15 minute walk which is very much a walkable distance in London 55% of journeys are walkable faster by by on the street than they are by tube Um, but the the problem is you just don't know that Covent Garden, we all know get off at Leicester Square and walk to Covent Garden but 9 out of 10 stations around Covent Garden are faster to walk in Who who knows how to walk into Covent Garden from Holborn? How to walk in from Tottenham Court Road? It's a really poor urban design that's caused that problem. And Terry Farrell came up with a scheme to actually put a real highway into Covent Garden from Tottenham Court Road. And that was the right thing to do. It was just, it was billions and people didn't want to do it. But the problem is, London's got is its old history, its structure. Am I doing all right for time? Um, So... Another thing that we thought is happening is what we call bubbles and eureka moments. And uh, you know this test, blind spot? Yeah? Anybody don't know blind spot? You know you've got retina, piece of your retina with the optic eye. You don't have any um, optic nerve there. You can't see at that spot in your eye. So close one eye, there's actually a blind spot. You can't do it from there. You've got to get a piece of paper. Don't worry. Yeah? (laughs) I'll show you it later. Anybody wants to see it? Does everybody know that from school? Yeah? No? oh right, okay so if you get a piece of paper and do that on the paper and you look at the cross and you move the paper in and out with one eye closed the the dot will disappear you can't do it from here so don't close one eye (laughs) alright believe me I'll show you it later anybody who doesn't believe me it's called the blind spot and everybody well okay the medicine the the opticians know about the blind spot but my point is okay close one eye because two eyes fill it in but you close one eye why isn't there a black or a white spot there the, the brain just doesn't tell you, you can't see. The, and the, by the same idea, the, you don't know where things are. You don't know what's around the corner because you're not aware of it. It's simply the fact that you're not aware. As soon as you're aware of it, um, uh, you, you're armed with that knowledge. So we asked a Korean girl where she'd been in London. This is where over two years she'd been. We kind of plotted it. And we kind of drew it on top of the tube map. We did this little drawing, as little like light, lights of, of knowledge of hers on the tube map, and she was like, oh my God, that's how I see London, that's London, because she walks around with a tube (laughs) map, and what she would do, she would actually go from Leicester Square to Charing Cross on the tube to get her train home, that's what she did, a friend said we're meeting in a bar near Leicester Square, she'd get on there, go on the tube, pop up, then she'd get guided in using a mobile phone to to a bar, that was her method, Uh, and obviously that's the geography, it's very different. And she didn't. Wasn't totally not aware of how close Leicester Square was to Charing Cross. And the whole idea of Legible London was to try and fill these. Not there were some another projects happening at the same time which were going on about walking superhighways. You know, big big motorways that we were going to go and improve the pavements for all these long-distance two-hour walkers. You know, I, I don't believe it. It doesn't happen. I think there's a few idiots doing that, but. Most people are doing little small journeys. They're trying to do little efficient, efficient routes. So The idea was we just wanted to paint the gaps. And very much like if you realise that Leicester Square actually is walkable, then actually when you're at another tube station, you might realise you can do that. And the eureka moment is, have you ever had this experience where you, most people learn London by the tube stations? And have you you uh, your new tube t- areas? Then one day you got confident and you went a bit further and you suddenly walked into the area of the other one. And suddenly London went, whoa, all this fits together. (laughs) Yeah? You do it in a new city, you're doing it all the time. And the point is, is that we wanted a system that would allow that happening because we wanted to teach people London. The more that we could quickly teach people London, the more they could make better use of it. And then they would, wouldn't need information as much, which is actually what you want. We're not trying to produce a system that what people are looking at and using all the time. We want to try and get redundancy in there. And how do they know where things are? It's often, again, back to landmarks. That's what we found as important. People very rarely told us how to get somewhere using a street name. Maybe some of the big ones. But they would invariably say, well, keep going until several years and it's, it's beyond. You know, that's the kind of language they used. How does this all happen? It's, it all happens in the uh, hippocampus area of the brain because it looks like a little horse or whatever. It's an area, I think Cambridge University did a study that um, for cab drivers, black cab drivers, is enlarged. So it's your place memory. So what happens is a cell, when I showed you a Picadi- uh, picture of Piccadilly Circus, your, your place cell of Piccadilly Circus went, hey, that's me. Um, it's called Piccadilly. Um, and it, this is kind of like your, your brain kind of pieces it together, so we studied a lot of this, how do we remember places, and it was all about our character compared to um, the opposite of it to being ge- um, generic, and how we learn places is we'll start at an arrival point that's safety, we'll go on a journey to another node, back to the Kevin Lynch kind of thinking, over time we'll learn some different routes and then we'll feel confident about going off piste. Oh, I kind of know if I go off that street, I know I'll head off to another one because I've built a bit of a map in my head. And how do we find out about that? Well, we asked lots of people. We've got actually a map of London of mental maps. So this is basically just asking people, draws a map. You know, all sorts of... Obviously, this person's an architect or an urban designer. Uh, this person drew Fleet Street. This one is... The, I always put this one up because we always said people never use street names. Yeah, we're wrong. Um, but got it upside down. Great. Um, this person just showed loads of areas that they know where they live and then bike, chew bus to loads of areas where they work. This person hasn't got a clue. That's all wrong. Uh, but you start to see how they see London you're sort of like whoa god this is they really, really don't understand some of the structures and you're all quite knowledgeable about London so you've got to remember the 35 million and all the people who come here for the first time um, so one okay into what do we do about it one thing we realised is that villages and areas these five minute neighbourhoods have got names they've got, they've got character and we actually looked and we asked all the London authorities and nobody was agreeing these, nobody was deciding these names Mayfair was called Mayfair because somebody put it on a map now. Nobody's actually responsible for it, not like the street names. So we said, well actually we think the mayor, somebody, should be responsible for what these names are and how we use them. Because again, back to that seamless strip, how do we get everybody using the same name? That's going to help. New York's got really evolving area names They're, they working in New York was fascinating because they are coming up every, new, every few years, new ones are being invented such new cities, such new places in the states compared to our history that they'd feel happy to go and have a new place like Clinton because they don't like being called Hell's Kitchen things like this and the other thing we did is we realised with all the client groups that we had who didn't know much about this was we needed to not allow them to make choices about what was the right way to design it based on what we liked or what I understood, so we actually spat, sat down with them quite a number of uh, workshops and went through a number of principles. What, kind of what are the principles that we 'd need to use and th- uh, really what we 're doing is trying to get them to use this to judge what we 'd come up with afterwards. so we had all sorts of principles seamless is in there. Uh, don 't make me think it 's a, a web principle. Name the places I mean some of them are really, really simple. Uh, we went through that an example of one of them that we came up with was we called parsimony and This is the real uh, important uh, principle of trying to get that information load about right. So uh, the tube map is really has, got, uh, has not got enough information for walking, but you you pile the information in. And you can overload people, and it's kind of like, whoa, it's too much. So and the secret is it's a complete trade-off judgment. I, I'm always looking at these and seeing things that are either too less or too more. And I think getting a design right is about is about just getting it spot on. So this is kind of how we did it. We uh, sketched really quickly, we drew things, we made things and took them on the street. So this is us on the street asking people. Uh, we, every Friday we took a wooden model of some information and we took it onto the street and just held it there and people came up and used it and when we watched them and listened to them and when they walked off we said well, what, what do you think of that and often they would say it's a a test I thought it was real Um, at one point we came up with this wonderful idea we thought we'd invented the new tube map this new blob map all about the villages and we'd teach everybody these villages that's how they could navigate and the client was like wow this is brilliant this is groundbreaking we took it on the street nobody looked at it nobody and in the end I grabbed somebody and went what do you think of this that woman there and I said what do you think of that she goes oh I thought it was an advert if it doesn't look like a map to help you guide you around, it's not going to be seen as a map. You're not going to use it. So we realised that idea was rubbish. Um, we also, we couldn't put a signed system in to test it, because I would totally believe in prototyping. So we built a model of London, and then we put the information in. And this is where the first yellow bar across the top came in. Because we originally we did them kind of like a green, uh, and then it, that turned into dark blue black. Um, but, but then we realised in this model we couldn't quite see where they were down the street, so we thought oh god they've got to be stronger and that's where the yellow bar came in right from the early days we wanted to guide people out the right exit, we wanted to give them information around underground, uh, what's around here, we wanted to use bus shelters and all sorts of other materials arriving at a bus stop I'll go qu- obviously the design took quite a lot, that was like 293 iterations to get to the final one uh, we did things like used all the mapping we used, which we had to use mapping because of the density of information that you're trying to impart. We always made sure that um, uh, it was heads up because that's 90 percent of people want the map around the way they're looking. Uh, we found only like the only people who had a problem with this here's a heads up map. Um, the only people who had a problem with this is people with kind of like military orienteering training who would absolutely complain, you know, so sort of, it's got to be north. you're joking. <laughs> and we just viewed that. They didn't really need much help getting around. So, (laughs) tough shit. So the map, map is built to... Kind of like we didn't just design this because we thought we wanted something beautiful. We did want something beautiful because I believe that beauty is an element to play and to engage people so that they actually take in information in. Um, we did want it beautiful, but al- everything on here was debated, thought about, and tested. So we worked out the heads up. We worked out the fact that people saw the streets in terms of their pavements and how they were structured. That would be the character that they would remember. We picked certain buildings to be 3D, so it would give you scale, it would give you uh, relationship. Look, Selfridges doesn't look far away. You know, it's round the corner. I can kind of remember that. So again, we were embedding an architectural landmark, even if you didn't know what it was called. And we put shops on it. Back to that map I told you that 55% of journeys um, are quicker to walk. Here, we put a 15-minute walk circle on and said, look, all these tube stations are kind of walkable. So when the tubes all, Oxford Street's closed, you can, uh, you can walk there and get the, get the route back. Obviously, we built some things in the ground, and we stuck these in. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm being very flippant, but I don't think I've got a lot of time to explain how all these things are designed. There's small ones, thin ones, big ones, wide ones. There's a very detailed plan about how you put them in and where you put them. We build, basically, a legible route network. And Oxford Street, for example, is a double road. You can't put signs on one side because there's buses all going down the middle. So there's Ox Street, Regent Street are double roads and then we, we basically plotted these, to try and make them as thin as possible yet always within a reasonable few steps, a few a, a, a road or two, you're going to find something that can help you. And one of the principles, not touched on, is predictable. The system's only 40% there because at the moment there's still places where you could walk around and you're not going to find them because they've been put in when they can afford it. Um, And we also put things in the tube station, put things in people's pockets. When we first thought about this, the iPhone wasn't invented. We've always been wanting to do digital. And now this is just a little example of some of them all in the West End. Originally, we said we're going to need 3,500. There's currently about 1,400 in. um, But we don't think it's going to be fully saturated until there's 3,500 in. And then it'll be a system that everybody should say to each other, we we've got to London, it's easy to get around. Yeah, there's always... It's just like the tube system. You just walk around. It's easy. And then um, the last thing I wanted to show you really quick, I'm just going to quickly show you it. This is what we've been working on. Obviously, it's got to go digital. And this is kind of like a sneak preview of um, where we're going with this. So this is actually, it's got everything in London, all in a legible London way of doing things. And and obviously showing, this is is very much a beta, showing how the areas kind of like tell you different things. And we're, we're putting little tabs on it to try and do different things. So, sorry, I think I've gone on. Thank you.
0: Wow, oh, thank you for that, Tim. Hard, hard to do in 20 minutes. That sorry. was a whirlwind. Um, I mean, the stuff that uh, kind of stuck out for me was definitely the use of landmarks for familiarity, just to help anyone get around a city. But also, those kind of gaps in between places is where you kind of optimize people's journeys and kind of pointing those out. But it'd be great to open up questions to the floor. So we have Heather who will be knocking around with a mic. So please put your hand up if you have a question. Hi, um, I really enjoyed that, uh, and I'm just curious to think uh, to ask you what you think about apps like City Mapper, for example. Uh, because since I've started using it, I've found that I walk a lot more just because I'm aware of how to walk <laughs> around it. Um, like even yesterday, I got lost because like City Mapper died, and I had to get a bus because I couldn't walk
1: anymore. But you know, just how actually something digital makes you do something physical. More such as walking instead of getting the bus in the tube, so I'm just interested in your opinion I think they're all um, I think they're all great, and Google Maps came really came to life after we'd started this, but we were kind of saying it's got to be i think it's it's always the mix it's kind of like people are using satnav but they 're learning less about where they 're going uh, i don 't use satnav I like getting a map and learning about it, but i 'm maybe now old fashioned but I like to know about wh- where i'm going through, but you know what even people with satnav want to see the road sign that guarantees that they're going the right way, because uh, Satnav, you know, you all know that people drive off cliffs following Satnav, so go down one-way streets, so digital is a completely untrusted medium, really, uh, at the moment, whereas signs, always right, isn't it, so embrace it, I think it's great Sure, Alex, uh, it was really, really great um, you've done a lot of, like Uh, research in in other countries and everything do you think culturally people have consistent ways that they look for direction or do you think that especially with like 35 million people coming to london everyone sort of approaching it in a different way are there cultural consistencies or is it all sort of all over the place Uh, that's a really good question uh how long have you got uh quick answer is it's a bit of both um, I think there's some fundamental ways in which we're, all, we're sight creatures and what we're willing to do is based on our perception of ease and need and safety and all these f- these features. And I think that's pretty consistent. But then everybody comes with their cultural background of how their own city and their country works. So the Americans are completely confused by the fact that our roads' names change, even though the roads straight. So Oxford Street's got like five names all the way down it. Bayswater Road, and then New Oxford Street, and Hobden, you know. And the Americans are like, bloody hell, that's ridiculous. I don't say bloody hell, that's English, but, geez, <laughs> that's wrong. And uh, but in and in the States, you find a road that's that long, and you're looking for. I want number one thousand three hundred sixty-three, and they go, it's the other end of town, you know. So that's our cultural differences. I mean, in Seoul, have you ever tried finding an address in Seoul? Well, they number places by when the thing was built. So, <laughs> number one, number three hundred sixty-three, number seventy-two, in a big square mile. Bonkers, and they're trying to. Uh, Japan, uh, Tokyo is the same, and they're changing it into an addressing system that might help you find things. But so I think it's, uh, and it's it, it is re- a real mix. It's there's some fundamentals, but people do bring that, and you need a system that's going to handle everybody, don't you? Uh, but the thing is, what people are trying to do is they're trying to learn how does this city work, and if you can teach them quick. So one of our solutions in New York was to give people a little. We found New Yorkers have got five or six little secrets about how they do New York, like they do, di- they do zigzags. You know, they're walking on the blocks, and then they get a red light, so they go, oh, we will go that way, because I know I'm going to head that way, so then they go across, and then they can keep going, you know, and we call it the New York zigzag, and they didn't realise they did it, and when we followed them, we said, what are you doing, and we said, well, why don't we just try and tell visitors that's what you do, that's how you try it, so things like that.
0: Uh, Hey, my name's Aileen. Um, Just when we were mentioning about um, digital apps, helping people find their way around cities, do you think that navigation itself in cities will become digitalised? So therefore, when you go around, different people from different countries will be able to interact with it in their own languages? Or do you think that's um, a bit far-fetched?
1: I think back to that, previous question in a way I think it isn't far-fetched I think everything will in the end be translated into your own language the only problem with it in, a, in a city is that the language that's physically out there is in English and anybody learning it there's no point in translating it into Japanese because I'm not going to recognise it when I went to Japan um, first time I stayed at a friend's flat and uh, I went out with the client on one of those drinking things and uh, and, uh, and I thought I'll be really bloody clever. On the back of my business card, I walked out and I drew the street name. Yeah? I just copied it perfectly. Pocket. Went out late at night. Got in a taxi. You know they don't speak English. And I went, take me there. Take me there. And he was like, oh, I can't, can't. Whatever. I wasn't saying can't. But, uh, and then, eventually, he, he got one of those phones and phoned the tourist people who then a woman answers, speaks for you, whatever. And he said, the thing on your card says one-way street. So (laughs) I needed it translated back.